White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. Follow me on Twitter at Echnowall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards with two three, which is Robin Ventura's number. And that is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. The show is at Locked On Sox. Chris, how are you doing? Doing great, Herbie. In this episode of Locked on White Sox, we're going to get into the mailbag. We, we, we pushed it away and pushed it off to the side long enough, and we'll also get to some Sox in the City stuff. Uh, so without further ado, shall we open up that bag? Let's do it! A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. And we love email, too. We love your emails in particular. How can they, the White Sox fan the lockdown white Sox fan listener get us emails to read on the mailbag monday or talk to us tuesday or what up wednesday locked on socks at gmail.com send your questions comments whatever you want to write us to locked on socks at gmail.com and as you heard a couple weeks ago doesn't have to be about sports doesn't have to be about the white Sox baseball whatever you want to write us send it there we'll read them all not all of them make it to these shows Absolutely. Just real quick here, um, quick housekeeping before we get to this bag. So we get the Locked On Podcast Network newsletter every week, and we always do pretty well. The, the White Sox show among baseball shows, it's it's almost always top five, and that's a, a testament to you guys, the listeners. And, you know, once in a while we'll, we'll get what's known as the most listened to episode on, on the baseball network, and we had that last week with our James Fox episode where we talked about Joe Cespedes. Uh, we still are, there's a lot of dialogue about how to say the name even after the podcast was taped, but I want to send a thank you out to, to James Fox and the folks at Future Sox and a thank you to the listeners for uh, making it such a well-received episode. Who would have thought uh, a, a prospect signing in December would have uh, been so popular on the network, but uh, we appreciate James and we appreciate you guys for checking out the show. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys. And it's, a testament to all of you guys is uh, listening. We're up from last year, and of course, it's Tanny's uh, joining the show this year. He was always part of the show. It's always the plan to be the show, but he joined, and the show has gone from just a mom and pop shop to something that people enjoy listening to and make appointments to listen to our content. And we appreciate you guys for doing that. And yeah, for a team like the White Sox with a great year, that also helps out. But ultimately, it has to do with you guys out there who are listening, telling your friends about it, retweeting, sending, uh, set up a subscription, sending it to your friends and saying, man, you got to listen to what he said right there. So great. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, man, we'll get into, uh, you know, our dynamic on the show and what this what you know the show has meant to us in 2020 on tomorrow's episode as we wrap up the year but uh yeah just to thank you everyone for checking out the show uh meanwhile let's get this bag open here first one coming in from our guy sam and hinsdale always checking in um first of all i just want to say i hurt equally as you guys when i heard dane dunning was uh, in the deal 
Uh, he's talking about, of course, about the Lance Lynn deal. Um, but remember that the rebuild is over, so time to be buyers now. And my question, given Lance Lynn only has a year remaining before he becomes a free agent, would it be prudent to extend Lance Lynn before the new season begins? My thinking is to offset the six years of control and given up Dunning, and I think we gave fair value extension, like to say two years potentially, uh, which would line up with him and Dallas Keuchel's contract. I figured this would be a smart move because we solidify our starting rotation for the next couple of years and our contention window overall. Anyway, what are your guys' thoughts? Thank you, Sam, always for checking in uh, all season long. All right, Herbie, what do you think about a Lance Lynn extension? I would explore it, but I don't want to go off of his past success to give him a future contract. I would love to see him a little bit, see if he might have arm problems, see if change of scenery might not work for him. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to get from Lance Lynn. I should, it should be the top rotation guy. Last couple of years in Texas, he has been that guy. But without me putting eyes on him and me being him being one of my prospect or one of my guys on my team, I'm not going to be extending money to him firstly before I extend money to my man G Leader. I know they probably have talks, but I think that sends a bad message. You extend a guy sight unseen um, instead of getting the guy that you traded for that has plenty of years underneath your tutelage and you've seen him become from one of the worst pitchers of the majors to one of the best that should be taken care of first before you even get into the landslide thing. It's not a bad idea, Sam, not at all, but I would see about other people first before getting him and get him on the field in a white Sox uniform before you're, you know, throwing money at him. And yeah, it's a good idea, but, if Lance Lynn is the guy that we think he is in a top rotation, you want him to to walk on the White Sox. That means that he's going to make a, he thinks he's going to make a lot of money on the free agent market. You want him to go uh, explore his things, and you have money. You can re-sign him at that time. So um, I think the days of the White Sox trying to be cheap or trying to be frugal should be over. And if a guy is on the market that you want, go and get him. So that might be Lance Lynn that next year if he does pitch like we expect him to pitch in the 2021 season. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. You know, I hope Lance Lynn is, is put, puts you in a position where you should look at it. You know, hopefully all things are clicking and, you know, he's someone that, uh, you know, is going to perform well for you in the postseason and, and you, you maybe you get a deal done by the all-star break because he's, he's having a great year so far and he's comfortable and he wants to stay and he's not sure what the market's going to look like. But, yeah, I, I like where your head's at on the Giolito thing. I said it on the last episode. You're in your Giolito window. Lucas Giolito is an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So that means you have three years of a World Series window realistically before Giolito leaves. And I just I wouldn't be in the business of of signing a guy to an extension who's going to be in his age 34 season this year. So you're talking about having a guy sign through age, let's say, three-year deal through age 37. I think your money can be best spent elsewhere and hopefully mm – -hmm you have a little more clarity about guys like Michael Kopech or Jonathan Stever or or a guy like Jimmy Lambert. Maybe you'll, you'll have some more clarity there, and, you, and maybe he's you know ready to step up in the rotation as opposed to bullpen. Um, so you know you have a lot of options there, and hopefully they're going to be cheaper than signing Lance Lynn to a contract extension when he's outside of his prime 
age years. Um, but yeah, ultimately though, like you know, I, I would, I would, that would be great if that means that you want him around for longer because that means you, you've maximize what you can get out of them in a one-year scenario but hopefully you have ever you know more options you can explore and hopefully you have trevor bauer in your rotation so you don't have to worry about losing a guy like like lance lynn and you can have one of those guys young guys slot slot up you know i don't, I don't know if you're going to make crochet a starter or you know it's what's where he's more familiar i don't know what you're doing with him so yeah there's a lot of things to look at but giving money to a guy who's going to be uh, 34 this year. I'm not sure how highly that ranks on my list of to do, but thank you, Sam, as always for checking in. Uh, next email coming in here from Patrick who writes this. Hi, Herb and Chris. Hope this finds you happy and healthy. Uh, I think we're, we're both. So thank you, Patrick. Uh, thanks for putting out a great White Sox podcast. You guys are great. And, you know, to hear you guys on the boards during your shows at the score too, uh, is always fun. So the Sox finally signed a Cespedes. I'm extremely intrigued, even though I have zero background on him personally. And I'm looking forward to February videos of him in Arizona. However, I do see some people shitting on his game via Twitter. I know, I know it's Twitter. Do you guys have any insights? No matter how he works out uh, down the road, I'm very excited to see the front office continue their work with Cuban players. The White Sox should just see if Cuba is interested in becoming an affiliate at this point. It's great work by Rakan and his staff, and I'm thrilled they aren't taking their feet off the pedal. The team's acquisitions have been very solid. Withholding DH, for Christ's sake, it has to be the simplest spot to get right, but that email is for another darker time. They've solidified their rotation, have hired a professional to play right field, now adding the number one international prospect. This is how you attract Cy Young winners and get MVP caliber players to want to play for your squad. Fuck TLR and Jerry. Rick's boys don't quit, though. Merry Christmas, fellas. Have a safe and happy New Year. That's from Patrick. All right. Uh, Herb, this, the Cespedes thing, I guess, I, you know, I'll take it from here to start with. I was talking to someone who, uh, saw, uh, Joe Aikless play, uh, when, when he was playing for team Cuba, uh, I won't say who it was, but, uh, he, he shared a couple of funny anecdotes about, uh, some of the things that were occurring, uh, said, wasn't a huge fan of the signing. And uh, I think this guy was coming from a perspective of people who, you know, see your team signs an international prospect who is ranked number one. And all of a sudden they get fall head over heels in love with the prospect because you see that number one ranking but we talked to James Fox and we talked about how that ranking was a little misleading but the guy I talked to said uh you know granted it was only a few years ago so he was you know Joe Eklis was like maybe 20 or so at the time but a lot of a lot of this guy said he had a lot of you know good tools uh but overall just was not impressed by him but then again take with a grain of salt because he was only 20 at the time Cespedes was but the funny anecdote was uh I guess Joe Eklis was getting a lot of razzing uh from guys in the opposing dugout because they said where all the talent in the Cespedes family went and it it wasn't with Joe Eklis it was with Ioannis so I thought that was a funny thing but uh, you know one of the guys I talked to around who's been around baseball for a while uh was not impressed uh by what he saw uh granted he's a very much younger player but not very impressed with uh, Joe Eklis uh yeah you have any uh as these is the uh Cespedes signing sort of, you know, has a chance to air out and uh, and get a little get a little scent to it. Do you feel any any different about this signing than when we last uh, got together last week on Wednesday when we talked to Foxy? No, not really. I mean, in that conversation, I expressed to him the numbers just don't look impressive. They don't look like the numbers we saw, of course, from Jose Abreu or Yoan Mancada in that Cuban league. So, you you. I mean, James talked him up a little bit. He didn't say he was going to be a superstar, 
two million dollars to drop in the bucket to sign him. So I'm not expecting a lot. I mean, he is the number one international player on the market, so it's good to sign him. And he was 23. He's got good bloodlines too. Brother was pretty decent when he was healthy. So I'm not looking for this player to be great. I'm looking for this player to make it to the majors and contribute. And that's fine. If he, he can do that, it's good for him. And he won sign for a big time thing. And he probably won't be a big time prospect. As we talked to James last week, what do you say? Uh, mid, uh, mid prospect, maybe for the white Sox, like a seven, eight, nine in their system right now. Right. So nothing real big, nothing real special. And I just want the kid to, go through the minor league system as fast as he can. And if he can make it to the majors and become his brother, awesome. But I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting, he said, J- Jock Jones. If we get Jock Jones out of this, I'm in. Oh, Let's abso- do it. Absolutely. Uh, moving- Some of the guys say Jock Jones had a better career. Then you want to assess this. Jack Strap Jones. Yeah, Jack Jones was a solid outfielder for a, a number of years and a solid left-handed bat. So, yeah, that's nothing Killed to – White Sox. Oh, he did. Uh, I remember him breaking up Freddie Garcia's no-hitter. What, a home run? Yeah, no-hitter, shutout, gone. And uh, Sox, I think, lost that game. I don't remember. Probably over the baggie, too. <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that would be nice uh, if, he, if he profiled out to be a Jack Jones, just a solid outfielder for a number of years. That's what you want for your – Low risk, uh, you know, two million two million dollar signing there for the White Sox. Moving on here, uh, as we uh, open up the mailbag, uh, this one is really, really out there. It's not Uncle Pete out there. We'll get to Uncle Pete in a second, but this is uh, this is Smell is checking in. I listened to the pod about the backup catcher this season and got me thinking something that entered my head when James McCann signed with the Mets. What if there is a perfect storm? This is where you always got to be careful, perfect storm. This is like Rick Hahn saying knock on wood the other day about Adam Eaton. What if there's a perfect storm where the Phillies are broke and don't re-sign Real Muto and the rest of billionaire baseball owners with alligator arms keep crying poor and not sign out huge contracts? If Real Muto isn't being offered the record-breaking contract he wants, I've heard $200 million, which is insane in my opinion. Uh, MLB trade rumors had him pegged for 5-125 and with the Mets, who just signed McCann. I don't even see him getting a contract this year with, with the Mets out of it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he does get it next year with a big year and fans fully back in 2022. Do you think his market suppresses so bad this offseason that there's a possibility he does what Grandal did with the Brewers and take a one-year deal with player options with a buyout, thinking 18 to $20 million deal with a $20 million player option with a $5 million buyout. And then the Sox could offer him an everyday at-bat situation with him and Yaz DHing, splitting time 50-50 or 60-40 in 2022 after he opts out with a huge season and the Sox winning the World Series. <laughs> so what do you think? He, he closes by saying this, like Frank and the Departed said, what can I use you for? Let's use each other here. Propose to him getting 600 at-bats while catching only 80 to 100 games instead of 130-plus games, and oh, he'll have zero pressure in the lineup. Very appealing, win-win, and the Sox get their DH backup catcher. Problem solved. They'd be upgrading from James McCann, who they just lost. This is the shit I think about at 1 a.m. This is Smellis, who wants Real Muto to sign a one-year deal, a prove-it deal with the White Sox, and then come back in 2022 on a long-term deal. What do we think about this? I mean, if I was any major league player that's on a free agent thing right now, I'm signing a one-year deal. That would be the smart move because of the expiring CBA. But that's me. 
I don't think players are thinking that. The players are like, James McCann, like, oh, they're going to be giving me $10 million per? Solid. Let me sign that four-year contract. I can't, I mean, if, <laughs> I'm going to be getting the security that I need for the rest of my life. I'll get that. JT Real Muto will be shopping more at the higher end uh, market. So a prove-it deal, he will not need. He will not need to do that. Somebody, I know the people are acting cheap. Somebody will pony up to JT Real Muto's uh, wants and pay him what he wants to get. Uh, to get a catcher like him with the offensive prowess that he has is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. So you don't want him to be not catching. That's part of his appeal. He's a good catcher, and he has a bat. So, yeah, I would love him to be the DH. Um, but I think he's going to be trying to get real catcher money for a longer-term deal and not do a prove deal. And if he was going to do a prove deal, he would do it somewhere where he's comfortable, Philadelphia or Miami. So I'm not opposed to getting JT Real Muto, but I'm being realistic here that there's probably – I mean, we – root for a team that's owned by Jerry Reinsdorf. I think he's going to pony up for a big-time free agent catcher like that when he's already done it last year. No. So the reality is there's no way that JT Real Muto will be a White Sox. And so I don't like to think about it too much further. If that happens, I'll eat crow. I'll print this thing out like last year and eat this shit myself. But it's not going to happen, so I don't like to think about it any, to, any more than I have to. Tanny, yeah, he real motor to the White Sox. That's not going to happen. Um, I, I I know it's one in the morning when you're writing the email. There, smell us, but that's it's not going to happen. I like where your head's at. Trying to make things happen, that's fine. But just look yeah, at I like the creativity. Nice man. Look at the catchers going back and forth in these deals. So the Padres sending out some of their top catching prospects. You know the U Darvish deal. Catchers possibly involved in that. It's not finalized quite yet as we sit here on Monday night and record this, but catching talent is at a premium. And when you have one of the top catchers in all of baseball in Real Muto being in offseason this year, people realize how hard it is. Like to to draft and develop a catcher and you know you know, God forbid if you got a guy that, that has the bat and plays defense for you, those those things don't come around all too often. So when you have a guy like that hit the open market, I don't care what type of financial situation MLB owners are, are claiming that they're in. You know, I don't I don't think people are gonna pass on a premium talent like that. I don't know where he's gonna end up. I don't think it's with the White Sox and I don't I think their money would be best served spending elsewhere. I, I don't think he's gonna have to sign a one year prove it deal because he's already proven it. Um, so, you know, maybe he'll take something a little more backloaded, but yeah, I, I don't think he would sign a one-year deal while he's, he only gets one chance to earn in his prime Real Muto. So I think this is his opportunity and I don't think teams are going to let him sit idly uh, by this off season without him going uh, and getting a competitive offer from a team that can win. I don't know who that is. Um, you know, maybe the angels, that'd be, uh, intriguing. You know, they've got some mm-hmm. pitching problems there too, but if I were him, I'd look at that, but yeah, white Sox, I don't think that's a, a possibility, but we thank you smells for the email moving on here. Our guy, Mike Victor chiming in. Hope you guys had a great Christmas holiday. I got a new cheap TV for the basement. So looking forward to maybe 120 games next year. I really want to know why flat screen TVs are so cheap right now. I got a 50 inch LG from Costco for like 300 bucks, but I will settle for, what is the best case upside for Dylan Cease next year? I saw an article about him working with Ethan Katz through the offseason, and I'm hopeful he can experience a Giolito-type ascension. What do you guys think? Thumbs up or thumbs down 
for Dylan Cease next season. That's from our guy, Mike Victor. Thank you, Mike. Hopefully you had a great holiday. And uh, Mike knows the deal, knows the best place to get a TV is at Costco all the time. They, not even Black Friday or Super Bowl sales. They, they got it on lock. I went over there, got a TV for uh, my father-in-law who's going to be living with us and uh, mounted that bad boy uh, during my vacation here. So, yeah, Mike knows the deal about TVs. Uh, we are in the golden age of buying TVs for whatever room. I'm surprised we don't have one in every room in the house. But I digress. Uh, Dylan Cease, Herbie, are you high on Dylon uh, in 2021? um high is the wrong word to use i'm anxious to see what he's gonna do um this will be his first full major league season and so pressure on him would be unfair for me to put on him i just want him to get through what 165 innings you know it's been pared down from what it used to be but what he pitched last year maybe 50 60 innings he's got to ramp that up to a, a new level and hopefully his arm can uh, withstand that, uh, that wear and tear of a full major league season. And let's pray to God that we do get him full major league season because the vaccine's good. Everybody's healthy. We're back at the ballpark type of thing. But yeah, yeah I would want to get, and I think I spoke about this on Monday's episode, a better starting pitcher. So you get Lancelin, Gilito, then you got Keiko. Then you have a fourth starter that is a one or two, like the Padres just traded for you, Darvish or Blake Snell. Now their rotation is set. And so the fifth starter can relax. He can not, you know, relax, but he doesn't have pressure on him to be the third starter like last year with Dylan Cease or Dane Dunning. He can just be like, okay, let me just execute my plan. There's no hurt. I mean, there's no hurry for me to do anything in particular. And if I fuck up this offense behind me, they got me. Same thing with my uh, people who picking up the ball. They played better defense in 2020. Let's go. I think making him go into the season as the four starter, which is a little pressure, not a lot. Not unfair, but for a contending team, you don't want a first-year pitcher to be your four starter. He'll be pitching you know, every fifth day, and he won't be his starts won't be getting skipped like a fifth starter would usually uh, when there's an off day and a first starter wants to start again. So I would say to take that pressure off of him, let's go and get a guy who can start at the top of the rotation, but in our rotation would be the fourth guy. Or if we knock down Dallas Keuchel to the fourth guy, amazing. Yeah, you know, I think you mentioned it. You hit it right on the uh, nail on the head there when talking about innings pitch for Dylan Cease. Like that, that's what I want. Like I, I want innings pitch. You know, not for the reasons why it looks good in a, in a box score or when you're looking at his baseball reference page at the end of the year. But it's so important when you're when you're dealing with a, a you know a, a full regular season or at least close thing we're going to get to it at least 120 games. You want a guy who's going to go out there and and save your bullpen, and you certainly have other guys in the rotation to do that. But having a fresh bullpen and and navigating just a bullpen in general when you're in your championship window is very tough because you had guys take a lot of uh, you know take baseball by storm last year and. Cody Hoyer, Matt Foster, who nobody had ever really seen before. So that's tough to duplicate that success. So you can't always count on that, or you don't know how Aaron Bummer is going to bounce back. And so far right now the Sox don't have a closer. So you want a guy who's going to go out there every five days and take pressure off that bullpen. And I think Dylan Cease has all the tools to do that because he just has to trust his stuff. You know, he's, he's, he's got velocity, just stop being so cute. And the, the way to get those innings pitched up, mm-hmm. get, get that number go high up, is – 
eliminate the free pass, man. Like, you know, just stop nibbling, trust your stuff, and hopefully, if anything, Ethan Katz can get through that to him. You know, just trust your stuff and trust yourself out there and, and know that your stuff is your stuff already plays. And there's no mm-hmm. need to get cute uh, when you're already ahead in the count. And that's another thing, too, is is getting ahead in the count more often for him and setting up uh, you know himself to go deeper in the ball games. I think that, that's going to be a big thing for him this year. And hopefully Ethan Katz can help with that. But I love Dylan Seas, man. I, lo- I love the stuff. I've said it before. He's a smart kid. I, I had him taking a big-time jump last year. But you know when you're dealing with pitchers developing, they develop at their own pace, man. And and hopefully with a with a longer season, he, maybe he doesn't dwell on his poor outings or get too gassed up by his good outings, and he can just go out there every every five days and with a game plan and and know that his offense is going to put some runs on the board for him, which is so important when you're developing young pitching. You knowing your offense is going to score runs for you can can help you be a little more relaxed, more comfortable out there, and and know that you're never truly out of a game, and you always have an opportunity to keep your team in a game. And so that means sometimes just sucking it up, wearing it, and and getting deep into a ball game when you didn't have your A-plus stuff. So that's another thing that he's got to navigate as well. But, yeah, I'm very high on Dylan Cease. I think he could be uh, a, a very solid number three, maybe even a number two uh, type guy, you know, in the rotation for, for many years. Cy Young Award winner, I'm not so sure. Uh, that he has the quite nasty stuff to go with that, but the stuff is good enough where he can make an impact every five days. So thanks, Mike, for checking in. We'll get to Uncle Pete's email, and uh, we'll get to a Sox in the City here after a quick timeout. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. You guys ready for some football? Well, college football heads into bowl season, and there's some big matchups this weekend, the final regular season weekend of the NFL calendar year. Uh, playoff picture is becoming a lot more clearer and uh, local team here in the mix. We'll get to that in a second, but there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, I mentioned last week, Herb, that uh, Bears at Jacksonville. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believe the uh, the over under there was uh, was 46 and a half, I think, and I told our listeners here I'm, I'm taking the under in that one, uh, but I'm taking the I'm, <laughs> but I'm taking the Bears to cover. I believe they were at seven and a half. Uh, they did cover, but uh, did not hit that that uh, that over under bet uh, as uh, as well as I should have. Uh, but you know, of course, uh, Matt Nagy's offense coming through and uh, making a loser out of me. But I did hedge a little bit, then I had the Bears uh, covering the spread there, and as they did, uh, are you looking at anything this coming weekend still, or did you make any plays this past weekend? Yeah, I mean, of course, this weekend we have the national championship semifinals going on, and that's Clemson versus Ohio State. I'm going to stay away from that because I don't know either team. They haven't played a lot of games. I mean, especially with Trevor Lawrence missing those couple games in the middle. I don't know what Clemson team is going to show up, but you know what I'm going to do as a hater of Notre Dame for a long time. I've been waiting for a team to put it on them. And we saw that a couple of years ago when they had Florida State put it on them, and I think in the national championship. Um, this week, they go against a little team called Alabama. Have you heard of them? No, no. Okay. <laughs> Small They're school in the, the South? Tide. <laughs> okay. Um, they're favored by 19 and a half. These lines are by betonline.ag. 19 and a half points. I'm laying those 19 and a half points and putting my money on Alabama. It's going to be an ass whooping <laughs> of grand proportions. I don't know if Bet Online AG wants me swearing, but get on this, folks. I usually am not a very uh, bombastic guy about betting, but 
when I'm bombastic about you need to bet this, you need to bet this. Alabama's going to dog Notre Dame. I'm sorry we got Notre Dame fans out there. No, but hey, I'm a Notre Dame fan, a very casual, um, my, my self-Irish hatred and my self-fighting Irish hatred. I tend to I tend to believe you there, and you know, I, I, I'm kind of rooting for it because it's uh, you need you know normalcy here in 2020, and uh, Notre Dame getting rolled big time in a game like that, that would certainly make me feel uh, comfortable and familiar. Uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts thank you to our friends at betonline.ag and we're also brought to you today by built bar built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and now the improved built bar is somehow even delicious er they've got 18 amazing flavors including nut and non-nut varieties if you've got allergies caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia apple almond crisp carrot cake and of course lemon almond cheesecake but don't worry they've got the 12 original flavors that you love so well banana bread mint brownie salted caramel orange just to name a few built bars are delicious because they are always covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and so easy to chew they're great for the health conscious guy or gal on the go and if you're trying to lose or maintain weight uh, they're a delicious treat if you're making those new year's resolutions here built bar get yourself a case or two of those and and have those at the ready you know you can make better choices here in the new year Uh, they're low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber and great for the keto diet and right now you can get yourself a free cooler with purchase but you got to head over to builtbar.com right now and while supplies last you use our promo code locked on and you'll get 20 percent off of your next order once again that's promo code locked on for 20 percent off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. 2020 is mercifully coming to an end and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting in 2021 and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to them, Locked On Bets, wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. All right, we're back. Locked on White Sox Mailbag Monday. We had to close out the mailbag here with one from our guy, Uncle Pete, who uh, is becoming a fan favorite on the podcast here. Uh, Listeners already chiming in uh, in response to Uncle Pete's emails whenever he weighs in. Uh, Uncle Pete checks in by saying this. What's good, boys? Hope you paint sniffers had a great Christmas. I sure as shit did. Had my cousin Lucy Susie over, and we got completely LaRussa'd. Uh, next time you hit up Binnie's, be sure to pick up some Bustin' Cider. You ever had that, her Bustin' Cider? I never even uh, heard of that. Um, I couldn't. I, I, I've tried my share of beers uh, in my day, and I consider myself a craft beer snob. But Bustin' Cider is not something I could find. Certainly at my local Jewel, I couldn't find Bustin' Cider. Uh, last thing I remember is walking backwards down Sheffield with my trousers around my beak. Uh, speaking of drunks, what are your thoughts on Tony Bologna? Oh, Jesus. How are we going to trust this guy to run our team when he doesn't even know his damn ABCs, as you guys may have heard in his uh, DUI video? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, I, Z, M, N, O, P, D, Q, R, S, T, U, V, V, Z, V, Z, T, U, V, X, Y, X, Z. All right, yo, wanger bangers, keep doing God's work and never forget what it said under my senior high school photo. Long, loose, full of juice, big enough to pump a moose. Pete out. Herb, your reaction to Uncle Pete's email there. I love Uncle Pete. 
<laughs> oh my god! Made me laugh for a good minute there. Yeah, well, um, the Bust Insider. Yeah, just go and you go to your local binnies and ask for that. You should always ask I, for that, by the way, just in general in life. I mean, <laughs> always yeah, ask first. Before, well, I mean, yeah, you should always uh, have some rain, wear your raincoats when you go out. Too. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tony Larusa. <laughs> I, I want. Where's I the damn? Where's the dash cam video? By the way, like he's made amends and he's going to do his community service and serve his jail time at home because of privilege or whatever. And we still haven't gotten the dash cam video. Which? I think somebody's got to do that. I think somebody's got to, uh, like, a, a Freedom of Information Act type of thing, a FOIA act. So you got to call down to Maricopa County, uh, Tanny, or <laughs> Uncle Pete if you want to, and say, hey, that's a Freedom of Information Act. Release it now. It's not Especially just. Especially since he's, he's plead guilty. So we're, we're a, a major. Uh, news organization we need that video for our radio station it's not just for you it's it's for me too it's for all of you <laughs> so yeah yikes really um yeah i don't have i don't have the energy here i got a kid and a family i don't have time to be filing freedom of information acts but the, you know more power to you if you feel like doing something like that because we need it we need it now yeah so I'm sure you can file it with the Maricopa County people and let that shit get released. And we'll put your name up on White Sox, uh, Lockdown White Sox Twitter, maybe, if you do it for us. I yeah, I don't have time because it's too much time, and I don't really care about it. Tanny, on the other hand, needs the video for his show. <laughs> It'll be played ad nauseum all this White Sox year every time Tony Larusa does something kind of drunk. But him being a drunk, I'm not going to call him an alcoholic because he doesn't call himself an alcoholic. I, he has alcoholic tendencies. He, I don't know if he's been to a meeting yet. He's been to counseling, but his actions are of an alcoholics. But I don't necessarily know all that goes into it and what you know the disease is, so I won't speak out of turn. But I need him and the White Sox to get serious about the problem he has with drinking. And if that's alcoholism or it's just overindulging and then putting his keys into ignition and driving off one something's got to change with that you know he's endangering lives and now his decision making is coming to question it's not a good thing to have as a manager all right time now for the segment sweep in the nation it's socks in the city time yeah you sound my baseball sure there wow avoid the clap jimmy dugan wow that's good advice all right, Socks in the City is the segment that we just rolled out here uh, re- relatively le- recently where uh, you send us your stories of encounters with White Sox players and your pursuits to get their autograph. Uh, and ideally for us, uh, the bit is that they end awkwardly for you and we can laugh at you. Uh, so this one coming in here from our guy Jay. Uh, as always, I've been enjoying the pod in advance. Happy holidays to you and yours. Uh, thank you very much, Jay. Uh, Jay was on his way uh, to Illinois Field for an Illini Redbirds collegiate basketball clash of epic proportions in the spring of 1994. Why literally nobody should ask. Well, we had a local celebrity in Shambana that day, Hall of Fame baseball person Carlton Fisk, who had taken a position on the ISU coaching staff that season whilst his son Casey was on the team. Huh, I did not know that about uh, Carlton Fisk. Following this chilly-ass game, a handful of folks hung around long enough to walk alongside Pudge as the ISU squad made their way to the buses. I happened to have a Sox cap 
red, not to be white, to be clear. I had it with me at school and had brought it to the game, hoping to get it signed by my favorite player growing up as a Ute, Carlton Fisk. When it seemed I may lose my turn, I politely handed my hat to Carlton and asked him if he could please sign my hat with the number 27. He responded, that's not my number. Perhaps digging myself a bit, I retort with, it was your number in Boston, as if the man forgot. <laughs> Knowing about the cornfield now, but not then, perhaps he had. Uh, my recollection is that he had just kind of smirked, but at the end of the day, I got myself an autographed bow socks lid autographed by Carlton Fisk, number 72. Process good, result bad. It was all very polite, and I was happy just to have a brief moment with the player that drove me to don the tools of ignorance in Little League. Not sure if he thought I was looking to make a buck. I wasn't, or just feeling a little too fisky that day. <laughs> See what he did there. But I'll leave the question <laughs> to you. Was he a bit of a bag here? Uh, keep up the great work and be well. That's from Jay. Yeah, was he a bag just for, for telling a, a, a kid uh, that's not my number? Uh, I've heard worse autograph stories, that's for sure. No, I mean, I think, you know, me. I don't think it's ever wrong for a person to correct another person as long as that person's not willing to get corrected themselves. So Carlton was just making correct. Well, he should have did it better in this regard. He, the kid said 27. He could have said, no, I understand why you're saying that had a great career out there. I love Boston, but now I'm 72, the opposite number. So yeah, here you go, kid. I'll, I'll put in number 72 for you. Something like that. You know, I don't know, just being a little polite, you know, it's a child. If it was a full grown adult, yeah, then I would, you know, maybe say some words to him. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't mind the correction, but he could have probably softened it a little bit. But, you know, I don't know how many autographs he was in. His probably knees were shot. So if it was with the White Sox, <laughs> definitely knees were shot. So it was aching to fucking even sign up to sign those autographs for those kids. This, so, this, yeah. is, this is 94, so he had, he had just be shown the door. Oh. Uh, spring 94, so he's not even six months out of baseball quite yet, and uh, he's probably still surly. I think you got pretty lucky here, Jay, that that was the only thing. Uh, it didn't help with your, it was your number in Boston retort. Oh, God, I'd be, I'd be just, uh, I, I would not be able to, to not get out of that that interaction for the rest of my life like i would think about i tend to dwell on things dumb things you say to people in passing or whatever uh i would i would not live myself down for it the, it was your number in boston as if, as if carlton <laughs> Thanks, fisk jerk. forgot yeah it's hanging up there uh on pesky's pole or whatever wherever the hell they keep their numbers out there but yeah thank you that's today's edition of socks in the city uh that's all i got herbie tomorrow we wrap up 2020 and it can't come a moment too soon, but we'll we'll explain to you guys, the Locked On White Sox listeners, why it wasn't all bad this year. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll share some of our best moments from the season, uh, best moments from the show, and just talk about the year that was in 2020. And it won't be try not to make it a, a total downer as most things in 2020 have been. But that's all I got tonight for this edition of Locked On White Sox. Talk to us Tuesday edition of Locked On White Sox. That's all I got. It's Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 is the way you follow me. And the show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to participate next week and talk to us Tuesday, maybe Mailbag Monday, What Up Wednesday, LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you reach us. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you reach us. You saw what Uncle Pete did. <laughs> if you have something like that, bring it. We don't need baseball-y questions, even though we love them. We don't need White Sox questions. We love those, too. 
send anything you want. Not, you know, no pictures. You don't need to see you. <laughs> but send any letter correspondence you want to send us. We'll read them all, but not all of them make the episode. So, for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Talk to us Tuesday of Locked on Socks.